Okay, Chavra, thank you guys so much for joining again. It's so wonderful to see you. It's so wonderful to be able to learn with you. And Misiata Deshmaya, we want to continue our journey as we go through the inner dimension of Shabbos, which is the title of this particular series. Trying to connect to the different energies of Shabbos, the different concepts of Shabbos, so that on Shabbos we can feel something and open up the doors of our hearts and souls so that we are aware of what's taking place. Like we mentioned in a previous year, if a person gets a gift and they don't really quite know the extent of the functionality of that particular gift, they can completely miss the boat and really not appreciate the gift to the fullest extent that the gift deserves to be appreciated. And it's the same thing quite literally with the gift of Shabbos. Shabbos is matana toiva, right? It's called a good gift. Hey, brother. <laughs> Great to see you. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, Shabbos is called a gift. Yeah, there are seats up here. It's called a matana toiva. It's a good gift. But the thing is, if you don't know what the gift does, so of course there's going to be a certain yeah, of course there's going to be a certain lack of appreciation for this gift. But the more that we learn about it, the more that we appreciate what's been given, the more that our heart can rejoice and proliferate with incredible levels of. wakefulness to what's been gifted, to what's been given. So this shear is going to be a little bit of an extension of last week's shear, like a sort of part B, but let's quickly, you don't need to have been here or listened to the last shear to really connect to what's being said, but we're going to just overview very quickly what we talked about last week. Last week we spoke about the Nakuda of Simcha as it relates to Kabbalah Shabbos. What's the particular joy with which the Shulchan Aruch mentions we're supposed to Bring Shabbos in, open our arms to Shabbos, accept Shabbos, receive Shabbos, be Mechabal Shabbos with Simcha. What is that Simcha? And we learned from the Gemara in Shabbos, which we'll take a look at now in the first source again as well, that Reb Chanina, as Shabbos was coming in, would stand up, he would tell us, Talmidim, Bayu, let's go, Venetze, and let's run outside, Likras Shabbos Hamalka, to go greet Shabbos. And we mentioned this as being an expression of simcha, of tremendous simcha. This is, this is also one of the things that we're, <laughs> we're trying to take care of, right? Um, but there's a proliferation of, of, of incredible joy that compels him to run out, to go outside. We talked about what this simcha is. We talked about Eliyishri Lev Simcha, the heart being connected to a completed world. A world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created in six days. Shabbos is a little bit of a taste, as we know, of Tachlis Maisei Shemayim Ba'aretz, which we'll speak about now as well. A little taste of what the world looks like when it's completed. When the moon, like we learned from the Pasagi Yishayahu, is bursting with the illumination of the sun, that the moon should be shining with the same degree of light that the sun is. And that completion, that clarity, that takes place when we're able to see where things start and where things end. The whole picture, the clarity that's given to us then to know our place in this world. Something else we spoke about in the context of Neira Shabbos, light. Shabbos is connected to clarity. We can see, we can see where we come from. We can see where we're going. We have clarity into who we are and Shabbos we don't bump into each other as we might when there's no light, which means on a deeper level, we respect each person's space. 
We know that you belong and we know that I belong. We know that you have a purpose here. I have a purpose here. Collectively, we as the Jewish nation have a purpose here. And that clarity gets rid of, of all the darkness and confusion that oftentimes causes us to be a little bit less confident and a little bit weighed down and a little bit burdened. When we don't have this clarity that we are at every moment exactly where we're supposed to be. And all we need to do is choose correctly the next step, the next step. That's it. That's the only consideration, moment by moment, which is all of what Shabbos captures. It's an incredible simcha. We learned about the state tapuchim, about the field of apples, which is the completed realm of the created world. We learned from Toysvist, not apples, it's esroigim. Esroigim are also this aspect. It's all we learned last week. And that's the joy of Shabbos. That's the joy of running around in ecstasy. That's the joy of the mikubalim, going out into the field. That's the simcha of boyu v'neitze likra Shabbos hamalka, proliferating. An explosion of joy, of simcha. We had learned that the Gemara Baba Kama tells us that this simcha is so ideal and this running outside of the shul of, of, of one's home to greet Shabbos with incredible simcha like you'd go by a wedding, the chasen, like we learned, going out to meet the kala, likras kala. That this is so ideal that it's true even halachically. That we find, we learned in the Gemara, that if two people are running bein hashmashes, as Shabbos is coming in and they're running in Rosh Hashanah and one bumps into the other, Either they're both running or one of them is stationary, one of them is walking regularly, and somebody comes and he damages the other person because he's running. The Gemara says he's potter. Because everybody as Shabbos is coming in has the right to run around like a, like a maniac a little bit because you just don't know what to do with yourself. This is mutter. That's what the Gemara says. And the Gemara proves it from this memra in Shabbos. Let's hold off on questions if we can till the end. So let's take a, a look at the first source, Shabbos. Kuf Yud and Aleph. We learned this source last week. Let's delve into it again. Rebbe Chanina, Rebbe Chanina Mesatev. Miatev, he would wrap himself in new clothing. Vikoi, Apanya, Damale Shabso, and he would stand up as Shabbos was coming in. Amar, and he would tell us, Talmidim, Boyu, let's gather together in Neitse and let's go out, Likras, Shabbos, Hamalka, to go greet the Shabbos queen. Our bride, Shabbos, with great joy. But then we learned that there was another tzaddik that had a very different approach. Rabbi Yanai, lovish, ma'ane. Rabbi Yanai would also put on new clothing. Malu Shabbos, as Shabbos is coming in. Va'amar, and he would say, Boyi Kala. Come and enter, Kala the bride. Thank you for joining. Come and enter, Kala. He wasn't going out. He was staying where he was. And Shabbos was entering in to his place. And we learned from the Marsha, commenting on that Gemara and Baba Kama that we referenced a few minutes ago, that the Marsha learns that there are two stages to the wedding. There's the time where the Kala is walking down the chuppah, down the aisle to come and join the chassan in Erisin. And then, ultimately, after the Kedushin, they go to, to the house where they're going to be living together. These are the two stages of Rabbi Chanina and Rabbi Yanai. Reb Chanina is bringing Shabbos in, in the sense of going out to greet Shabbos. And then Reb says, okay, now we're living together. Boi kala, boi kala, let's go to our place. A very different energy. 
Very different energy. Let's take a look at how the Rambam formulates this. So the next source, the Rambam in El Cheshabis, Perak Lamed Halachabez, where the Rambam is talking about the concept of Kavod Shabbos, what that means to honor Shabbos. Ezuhu Kavod Zesh Amr Chachamim. Or rather, Ezuhu Kavod. What is this Kavod? What does it mean? What does it mean to honor Shabbos? It says, This is what Chazal say. That it's important for a Jew to go and to wash his face, his hands, and his feet in hot water, whether it's mikvah or it's a shower, but to clean, to clean one's self. And that's in honor of Shabbos. And whether it's a talis or to put on new garments, new clothing, fresh clothing for Shabbos, says the Rambam, and then to sit with a sense of tremendous gravity. Like a, an awe. An, an awe, a sense of fear. Shabbos. And to sit in that state with a talus over your head, wrapped in a talus, waiting for Shabbos to come in. Like a person would when they go out to greet a king. Now this is a very different vibe, right? There's a very different energy than Reb Chanina. Chanina is running outside, tremendous simcha like we learned from the Shulchan Aruch. Tremendous joy, completed world, a taste of the end, the disappearance of any clouds of confusion. No, the Ramam says, Yoshev Bekoyved Rosh. The Chachamim and then he throws in that the earlier Chachamim, but this is not what he advises to do. He says, the earlier Chachamim, this is of course Reb Chanina, they would gather their Talmidim at Erev Shabbos, and they would also put on a talis, but they would do something different. They would say, let us go and let us go out. No mention of Kavid Rosh, there's no gravity, there's no Yira, there's no running out to greet the Shabbos queen. Shabbos HaMelech. So Shabbos HaMelech, the Shabbos king. The Gemara says Shabbos Hamalka, the Shabbos Queen. So he makes like a token mention of Reb Chanina, but it seems clear that the Rambam's energy is focusing us on Rabbianai. The problem, of course, parenthetically, is how does the Rambam deal with the Gemara in Babakama? Because again, if this is what we're supposed to be doing, then how does the Rambam learn that if a person bumps into somebody else and damages him, this is permitted because this is what we're supposed to do. So again, the Ramam understands that maybe there's reshus, there's permission for us to do this because he does mention the opinion of Reb Chanina that this is what some people would do. But interestingly enough, if you look at the Rambam's halachic psak of the Akamara Babakama in the halachis of Nizikin, which is the next source, in Hilchus Choyvul Mazik, the Rambam incorporates his vision of Kabbalah Shabbos that does not include running outside, but still includes a kind of running that would avail one the ability to be pater, even if he damages somebody, Erev Shabbos. Says the Rambam, take a look at the Rambam, in source number three, on a regular day of the week, in the day or in the night, if two people are walking in Rishus Harabim, in the public domain, Echad Ratz, one person's running, the Echad Mahalech, and the other person is walking, Vuhuzak Echad Mehem Bechaveroi, Shaloi Bekavana. And a person unintentionally 
because he's running and he's rushing and he bumps into his friend. The guy drops something. He's hurt. This is the halacha that the person that's running is the one that's guilty because he had no business running in a public domain where other people are walking as they normally should. But But if it was Erev Shabbos, as Shabbos is coming in, he's exempt from paying the damages. Why? Because he's running like Reb Chanina to go outside to greet Shabbos with great joy? Says the Ramam, no. The Gemara tells us he's running with permission. Why though? Says the Ramam, it's not that he was running outside to greet Shabbos. That's Reb Chanina. In Reb the reason one would be running Ben Hashmashes is he's running to take care of the last minute things so that he can go to shul, wrap himself in a talus, and sit for Shabbos to come in. So he still has permission to run. But according to the Ramam's conception of how a Jew should bring Shabbos in, wrapped in a talus in dread almost, in Koivet Reish, there's also the allowance for running. But that's running to get to shul, not to run out of shul. So that's interesting. You see the Ramam reflected in the way that he paskins that Gemara in Hilchas Nezikin. Now the Kafa Chaim incorporates these two in a very wonderful way. Quoting from the Arizal, and he brings Vikasa Bishar Kavanas that it's written in the writings of the Arizal, Daf Samach Dal and Amid Gimel on the third, the third um, column. Vizel Shoni, and he says like this Seder Kabbalah Shabbos. What should the Seder, the process of Kabbalah Shabbos be? And again, over here, we're not really talking about the content of Kabbalah Shabbos because that changed throughout the generations. And all of Am Yisrael has accepted the current five kapitlach that we say, and then. And so on. It's talking about the energies, the inner experience, not so much about what we're saying with our mouths. What's happening in our heart? What's happening with the Chayva Salavavas? That's where Avoida takes place. That's where Yiddishkeit happens, not in the liturgy. The liturgy is a vessel for emotion, but what are we feeling inside when Shabbos comes in? Says that Ariyah Kadesh, who because this we learned, this is what Arizal says, you've got to go out into the field like the Mikubalim would. And say, like the Gemara says, like Rabbi Hanina would say, let us go out to greet Shabbos and Malkasa. And then Arizal throws in, which we briefly mentioned, but we spoke about at length last week, and it's on YouTube and it's on SoundCloud and different places to listen to it if you'd like. Let us go out to the field of holy apples, which we said is a reference to the sphere of Malchus, without getting into the depth of it, the created world, the final process in creation as it is completely developed, a taste of the world to come. Shabbos, a me'en of Olam Haba, where this world will be lit with godliness, will be permeated with spirituality, and all of us will be living on that consciousness, the Shabbos consciousness, the Shabbos mentality, it's a different world. That's Chak al in Kaddishan, like we talked about at length last week. And then, let him find one place to stand, Standing up in the field, says Darizal, if you could stand on a mountain, like in Svat, you can imagine, standing over there, you know, Rechov Ari at that traffic circle looking over Meron. Find one place to stand if you're on a mountain, all the better. And he goes, halachically, it has to be a clean place. The halachis of making sure that you're distant from anything that's putrid, 
to stand away from waste, and then one should turn his face to the direction of Mariv, of the east, because that's where the sun is setting. Sorry, to the west. That's where the sun is setting. And as Shkia is taking place, listen to this. The Arizal says, close your eyes. Place your left hand on your chest. And then place your right hand on top of the left hand. So here you see the Kafachayim bringing from the Arizal puts these two together. There's the Simcha of going out, which we'll get to at the end of the Shir Bez Hashem. There's the Simcha, there's the joy of going out. But then what are you doing when you're out there in the field? Yira, Koivid Roish of the Rambam, Rabbianai, Boi Chala, Boi Chala. Which parenthetically, I didn't bring in the source of the Gemara and Bracha says that Echassan is Pater from Kriyashma the first night. Oisik B'mitzvah, Pater and Amitzvah. And the Gemara goes back and forth, there's different analysis of it. But it comes out from the Gemara that there's a certain Yira of the Chassan the first night. So a certain Yira. This is the Yira of Rabbianai. There's a Yira of bringing the Kala home. There's a COVID rush. It's not simple. There's gravity. There's gravity, right? So this is the energy that we're talking about here. A certain gravity that we feel. There's joy. We go out into the field. Boyu v'neitze hasadeh, as the Pasuk in Shir says that we delved into. L'chadoidi neitze hasadeh, to go out into the field. But while you're there, yira. To open yourself up internally on the level of your mind and of your heart. Closing your eyes, separating yourself from the physical world, opening up to a deeper reality that's manifesting in that moment. There's a new proliferation of holiness in the world. And a person should begin to say, He goes through the different kapitlach of Kabbalah Shabbos, very pleasantly, very, very softly, very pleasantly. And then he should say, He should say three times, Shabbos Malkus, come in, approach the Shabbos Queen. Then he should say, He should say the entire capital of Mizmer Shir, which we say after Lechadoidi today. And then he should say, which we also do, of course, rooted in the Sarizal. Until the end of that capital. And then he says, he makes a point of saying this, Then open your eyes. That means the whole Kabbalah Shabbos that Rizal wants you, the eyes closed. Now, he doesn't say, he's not talking about not, not talking, right? We talked about last week. You understand that Rizal is already now talking about a different world. It's not struggles. We need in Kabbalah Shabbos to be tapping into what's happening in that moment to open ourselves up to it. A whole different Kabbalah Shabbos. It's a whole different world. And it's going to be a whole different Shabbos if we can experience Kabbalah Shabbos in this way. To be awake to what's taking place. To be awake to the energy that's present. It's happening. The question is whether you're conscious of it or not, right? The question is, maybe, maybe yeah. Just, just, okay. Just make sure not to disturb the. So, okay, great. Then you'll come back and join us. So, so there's this nakuda chaver of like, 
we could open up to something taking place. It's happening anyway. It's a matana toiba. It's a good gift. The question is, if you read the features on the box, if you're aware of what you're getting. It's happening. It's there. Our job is to increase our consciousness. That's our job. And that's particularly our task in these shiurim, to try to broaden our understanding of what's happening on Shabbos so that we might be awake to it. Then you can open your eyes and go home. And go home. Now, let's analyze a little bit the nature of this COVID rush. What is this sense of fear, the sense of awe, the sense of trembling? How does it fit with the joy that we spoke about last week? What is this inyan of Urbianai, of sitting in one place very still, allowing Shabbos to enter? Boichala, boichala. What is it? What is it? Let's take a look at the Kedusha Slevi in Parashas Mishpatim. An amazingly foundational piece. And I took out a little, bit, a little part of it because it wasn't exactly relevant to what we're learning, but if you can, take a look at the full piece inside. It's the very first piece in Parashas Mishpatim. And he comments over here on the Pasuk Vishtachavisa Meirachai coming up. Matin Torah. When Hashem is giving the Torah on Harsinai, the Pasuk tells us that Am Yisrael bowed down and they stood very far away. Why was it that they stood so far away? Because they were afraid. Because it was a fearful event, right? Lightning and thunder and the whole world was shaking and smoke and shoifer blowing. It was, uh, it was overwhelming. And they stood very far away. They died. They came back to life. They stood very far away. And the Pasuk says, and they bowed down. We can explain this in the following way. We relate to our Kaddish Baruch Hu on two levels. There's the aspect in which Hashem is Rachik, in which He's very distant, very far, and He's going to describe what He means. And then there's the aspect in which Hashem is not just close, but He's, he's closer than anything. Karev Hashem l'chol karev. Hashem is mamish there, always there. And wherever you go, God was there first. Rachik v'karev. Now he explains. Bechinas rachik. The aspect of what it means that Hashem is distant to Sha'anam Aminim, we believe. Sha'arin Saif Baruch That the infinite light of God. Hu kadmin l'chalak It's the first cause that comes before any other stage in the unfolding of existence. Kodesh Baruch Hu is gracious. He's there always at the outset. Loftier, more elevated, more primal and primary than anything that is. And on that level, there's no hope for any level of consciousness in all of the realms of creation, certainly not in this world, to grasp Hashem. To be masikim. What is it? What is infinity? What is the absolute? We don't operate with these categories. That's not how we function. We function with time and space and matter and directions. We cannot be masik, the, the realm of spirituality. Certainly not with words and with categories that are unique to what it is to be human, we're constricted, essentially. Shem is beyond. 
It's impossible for the mind to grasp. Because the mind is a creation. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the creator. And the creation cannot grasp the creator because there's always, as we're going to learn from the Maral, the final source, there's an essential philosophical gap between cause and effect that's unbridgeable. Because if it was bridgeable, then the cause would, be, then the effect would be the cause. There has to be something more primary, something more unique about the cause that was able to bring the effect into being. And that gap is unbridgeable, which hopefully gives us the hope that AI right, cannot become sentient, right? which is a great philosophical debate because it is the product of something that created it. There's something essentially superior to that which is able to bring something into being. It knows something that that thing can never come to know. If we're talking in absolute categories, yeshmi ayin, somebody created something. There's an intelligence that's superior to what's created. The mind is already a creation. But Kodesh Baruch Hu is before anything else. And Hashem created our minds with our limitations. And we don't have to feel so bad. It's not just us. There's no angel of the Oifanim and the Srafim. There's no creation. There's no other consciousness in the world experience of consciousness that can grasp Hashem Hashem is beyond grasp and this is what we mean that Hashem is rachik. Hashem is always distant however much you think you understand about Hashem however much you think you know about Hashem however much I think that I'm able to Hashem is infinitely 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 distant and beyond whatever I'm able to, to hold in my very limited mind Rachik. Hashem is completely distant from our perception, our awareness. But at the same time, fantastically, incredibly, Ubachinas Karev, HaKadosh Baruch is closer than anything there is. Hushanam Aminim, we also believe, Almin, that somehow HaKadosh Baruch Hu saturates all of creation, every particle of existence, everything that there is. Every experience, every breath that we take, our own bodies, our circumstances, our past, our present, our future. Hashem permeates all of that. Hashem is memalikal almin. He fills all worlds. Ubigoy kal almin. And he's within all worlds. Umakif kal almin. And a Kodesh Baruch who surrounds all worlds. These are all Lashonas from the Zara Kodesh. Lais asar panimine. There's no place that's devoid of him. There's no place that's vacant from him. Even like Rabbi Nachman teaches, even the vacant space, which is the beginning of creation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu creating a void within which he creates the world, that's also full. The paradox of the full space, which is really the paradox of Bechira, that's saturated with Hashem already knowing what you were going to choose. Everything, 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 everything is filled with Elokus. Everything. So the whole concept of close means that I am here and this thing is close to me. 
But when it relates to Hashem's closeness, this itself is a caricature. Hey, thanks for coming. This itself is a caricature. Because it's not that I am here and I am perceiving Hashem as being close to me in proximity. No, Hashem is already where you are. So the concept of closeness, even itself, is limited as it relates to the proximity of Hashem. There is no subject. There's just object on this level, right? Even though we don't live life that way, we perceive ourselves as having an independent conscious. We perceive ourselves as having Bechira. We perceive ourselves as living in a physical world. And this is all important, and it's true. And the whole mitzvah, Torah, and right and wrong all takes place within the framework of us having an independent consciousness. All of this is true. But on the ultimate objective level that our mind paradoxically can't grasp, so I mean to say that the Hasaga of Karev is itself within the category of Rachik, because Hashem wanted it this way. He didn't want that we should be able to unravel what's called the Tzimtzum, the constriction, and start to live on the place where everything is good and down is up. You know, that's, that's part of, that's part of Rachik. We can't grasp that. But there is the Bechina of Karev. Ein oid milvadai kipshutai, mamesh. There's nothing, not just, there's no other God. There's nothing else but God. And it's not even pantheism. It's not like the world is divine. There's no world. There's no, it's everything is illusion, 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 illusion. It's a, um, a holographic, what's the word I'm looking for? Holographic, uh, huh? Projection. projection, excellent. Projection, thank you. Sarkadosh Baruch Hu is all there is. There's nothing as close as he is. And that's the Bechina of Karev. Because we know the whole world is saturated with his presence. This is the aspect of close. That Hashem is enveloping you every moment. Every moment. That's all there is. Now, as Jewish people, and this is the hallmark of Jewish theology and philosophy, is that we don't cave to either one of these seductive extremes. We don't lock God out of existence on the one hand and say that he's a conceptual first cause that we can never grasp, that we have nothing in similarity to. He's all the way distant. There's spirituality and then there's the world of matter. Nor do we say that all there is is one and that there are no categories of right and wrong and kasher, pasal, tametar, mutar, asr. We have to believe in both concurrently, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. It's paradoxical. But Jews thrive in paradox. The Jewish nation is born in paradox. We're rooted in paradox. We're an amsegula, which Rabbi Nachman teaches means What's a skula? Skula literally, what does it literally mean that we're an am segula? Treasure. That's what it literally means. But how do we use the word segula? What's a, how do you even define? What's a skula, right? There's a skula, you bake a, a, a key into a chal. It's a skula. How do you even translate it? We don't really mean treasure when we talk about it in this way. We mean it's something that we believe works, but we have no way of rationally explaining it. There's no rationality to it. It's just... It's a tradition, something we believe. 
davening at the caber of this particular tzaddik on this particular day. It's a skula. It's mekubal and amisrael. This is what we do. It's a skula. Says Rabbi Nachman, that's what the pasuk means. The Jewish nation is an am segula. We're, we're paradoxical. We're unexplainable. Why is it that God chose one nation over another nation when we didn't do anything to deserve it? And don't tell me as if Nasev and Ishmael, like if, we, if, if you know, uh, you know, the Turks would have said that Hashem would have given the Torah to them. Let's, let's be honest. Everything is engineered. It's manufactured. Yisrael, Allah It was already rooted before there was a world. Am Yisrael. Why? It's a skula. It's unexplainable. We don't understand it. How we can be chosen without having done anything to deserve being chosen. But yet we still have a certain, what the Sfarim describe as chen, a certain grace by God. Grace is also something you can't explain. Why does one person have chen and another person may not? It's, can't put it into words. Am Yisrael is born in paradox. We need to live with this dance all the time. Avram and Yitzchak, chesed and gvura, fire and water. And we come from Yaakov, who puts the two together. We don't know how. It's the secret, if you look in the Svarm, the Magad Mizrich, the Sefer Artaira. It's the secret of, of Ayin. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an unknowable entity that somehow manages to bridge two impossible elements that, that cannot come together. It's a very high madrega. It's otherworldly because on a thisworldly level we can't explain what it is to be a Jew. Can't. I'm Segula. So we thrive in paradox. Karev and Rachaik are two foundations of our faith and we believe that they both are true at the same time, impossibly. And we have to relate to Hashem on these two levels. On the one hand, Hashem is distant, 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 and we stand in awe of something that's so removed from our consciousness that we're afraid of it because we don't have the categories with which to process it, and we feel in that moment as if we have no control. And that's, a, that's scary. We have no control. We're trusting that Hashem is good, but we have no idea where the ship is headed. As much as we, for our own like mental health, sometimes we live with the illusion of control. Like we pretend as if we have things together. Might I remind you, you know, we're little tiny specks on a ball of rock and fire, essentially, that's hurtling through space, right? That itself is a speck in a gigantic solar system. This is true. This is not like a, you know, this is, this is the fact. We're not in control. We're not in control. And the response to that doesn't have to be fear. Like, I'm not, we're not afraid. I'm not afraid. But awe is an appropriate response. When there's something taking place where all of a sudden you get the sense that you're a tiny cog in a gigantic picture, in a gigantic machine, in an awesome story that's being woven with a trillion threads at once in every direction. And we can catch a glimpse of that it's awesome. It's awesome to see that. Ashkacha. It's awesome. Right? Says the Berdichever, Vihine Yira Loy Shaykh Raksha Anu Misyarin Mifneadavar Shulamalamimenu. So he says, now we can understand that 
if we are meant to relate to Hashem with yira, with fear, it's in response to that which is, like we just described, beyond us, right? beyond us, completely removed from our experience of the way that we process things on a day-to-day level. You come into contact with something that's beyond, I mean, on a very limited level, we've spoken about this too. This is the aspect of thunder. Chazal say, what's the purpose of thunder? Right? It gets rid of a certain coarseness that's in our heart because all of a sudden you're exposed to something that's, that's fearful. Gigantic, gigantic, terrible sound. Certainly children still are sensitive enough to feel that. Shakes you out of the, the normal day-to-day. It reminds you there's something else happening in the world that's beyond, that's beyond. And so this is Yira. And this is our response to the aspect of the part of Hashem, not the part of Hashem, but the experience of Hashem, which theologically, philosophically, experientially is Rachik. That's where Yira is. But when it comes to the aspect of the way that Hashem is so close, that Hashem cares so much about each and every one of us, that He's pumping us with life, not just on the level that I am a body and Hashem breathes life into me. My body itself is being projected each minute by God consciously as I am right now with all of my mistakes and all of my failures and all of my fallings and all of my lowliness and all of my confusion. As I am, I'm worth it. Hashem is here. Hashem is here. Hashem is truly everywhere. Love. Tremendous ava, tremendous kirva, tremendous closeness, husband and wife, intimacy, spouse. Anilu doid vadoidili. That's what awakens within us love. And we know that these two things, love and awe, are the two foundations of Avodah Hashem. We need to have both. And the Radichavar is describing to us how we can foster both. If we'll meditate on these two things, if we'll be aware of these two things. You come to Davin, hold these two elements in your mind at once. You're relating to Hashem who is Rachaik Yira. Whoa, Yira. Hashem is awesome, awesome, awesomely distant. Awesomely infinite, awesomely in control. Yira. But at the same time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is awesomely close, awesomely present, awesomely loving, awesomely accessible, awesomely relatable, because I am only created B'Tselem Elohim. In some sense, I am just a little bit, all of us, a microcosmic revelation of God, crazily enough. That being Magshim, right? Shem is beyond any body or anything like this. Conceptually, that means that there's a Tzad Hashaveh, crazily enough. And we can relate to Him. And He revealed Himself in that way to us, through us, because He wants a relationship with us. Ava. And the Zara Kaddish refers to Ava and Yura as Shtei Gadfin, two wings that enable our prayers to rise to the heavens. And if a person davens by rote, and we just mutter these words without first taking the time, and it could be literally two minutes before you start to daven, before anything, you come to shul, be conscious of this, because I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Many of us have just like a, a routine. You come into shul, you know, let's say you have a particular place where you sit and a particular sitter that you use, you take the sitter off the shelf, and you know already, you're turning to the place where you start davening from and putting on your talus, whatever it is, tefillin. 
How transformative is it? If a person takes two minutes to sit down in the seat before doing anything else, sit or closed, and be conscious of Hashem. Sounds strange, right? But that's exactly what we're trying to do when we daven, really, because it's not like a prayer, like, you know, it's something that we need to do and words that we need to say. We're trying to communicate with this being that's called Hashem. Hashem is a reality, it's not a concept. Sit for two minutes, close your eyes, and be conscious, even if only theoretically, like even if only conceptually, but it, you'll see it's going to be much more than that, of these two words, rachok karov. That's it. And bring into your mind the awareness of these two aspects of Hashem. Hashem's awesome distance and Hashem's awesome closeness. From that place, now that your heart has wings of Ava and Yira, the trained Godfin, these two wings of the bird, Tefillah has flight. Tefillah is, is airtime. It's, it's able to go. It's able to break past all the barriers like the Zarka this describes, barrier after barrier, boikin va'oilin. It leaves this physical place and it goes up and it brings us with it. Because do you ever see a bird that only has one wing? I haven't. I don't know. <laughs> but presumably, it, it can't get off the ground. right? Likely, it'll just spin around and around and around and around. And here's something that you might have seen, because I've seen it. Did you ever experience a Yiddishkeit that just seems to go around and around and around and around? It's usually because we only have one wing. Because we either only have Ava, or we only have Yira, or, which is more common, we have no wings at all. In which case, it just sits there. It just sort of sits there. And we need a Yiddishkeit that flies. We need a Yiddishkeit that, that moves. We need a Yiddishkeit of life, of vitality, the way that Hashem wants it to be. Not just for our own self-realization, because like some people say, listen, it's not really my cup of tea, you know? Especially here, both the tea and it not being the cup of that, right? It's just, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable with just, you know, sort of. Who asked you what you were comfortable with? As if Yiddishkeit is, is meant, you know, to like make you comfortable. Yiddishkeit is avdos. Yiddishkeit is about what Hashem wants. And Hashem tells us very unequivocally. There's, there's no, you know, because people are always telling me, hey, shivim panam la you know, oh, the chasidah stuff and whatever, all this stuff. I'm asking. I know that there are people that connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through a benishchai and, and through a gra, and, and, and I myself connect to Hashem through a gra and a benishchai just like the next guy. But there is no pun of Torah. There is no punim. There's no facet of Torah that's called the lifeless facet. There is none. It's just not a derech. That's not one of the facets. My argument isn't that all of us should be learning chasidus the whole day and, you know, we have to wear gartlech, you know, I myself don't, you know, and we, and we have to like, that's not my argument. All I'm, all I'm saying is that it should be blatantly clear to me and you that a cultural experience of an institutional Yiddishkeit is not what Hashem had in mind when He gave us the Torah in fire and smoke and a shuddering mountain on our Sinai so that we can, you know, have kiddush clubs. That This is not it. This is not it. It's just, it's just not it. Kodesh Baruch Hu wants us to be uh, on fire. Yiddishkeit is an experience. We have to be able to give it over to our children in such a way with sweetness and openness and light and breadth and depth. It's not a culture. 
We need Yiddishkeit with two wings, Ava and Yira. How do we get that? It begins, like we started this year, with how much we know, how much we're expanding our minds, our awareness, our perception, our consciousness. And going back, once we're going down this road, I mentioned Kiddush clubs, Chas Shalom to say something that knocks or looks down. It's not my derech, it's not the derech of the Baal Shem Tov. I'm pointing at a Metzias. Not that anybody's at fault. Who's at fault? I think we're too, too many generations away and too much trauma away from being able to point fingers at exactly where we lost something that all of us in this room at least know that we desperately need. It's not a matter of fault. It's just a matter of fact. So I'm not pointing fingers to say who's responsible. I am pointing a finger down a road that I felt in my life can bring us to where we need to go. Train God from two wings. Ava and Yira. Hashem needs to be a part of Yiddishkeit. It's pathetic to even have to say that. It's like crazy, right? That's what Yiddishkeit should be. Hashem consciousness. Devoting time, energy. Shirim like these. Learnings like these. With open hearts and minds. Ava and Yira. Rachik and Karev. But this, says the Bredichever, this is where we feel Yira. The aspect of Hashem that is awesomely distant. Rachik. Says the Bredichev in this week's parish and parishes by the next source. Dihina umais enichodam lahasegabara baruchu mitzad maisev. Rak mitzad maisev nisim shem beteva oy bishino yateva. He says, for the most part, the nations of the world are able to come to the realization that there's a God when something out of the ordinary takes place. A nace. What does it say about Yisro? When did Yisro come close? What did he hear? Karasi Yisro. By Yishma Yisrael, what did he hear? Kriyas Yamsuf, Machemes Amalek, but Kriyas Yamsuf, Anais. It takes a, a miracle, ordinarily, for the nations of the world to say, ah, okay, wow, you know, maybe there's a, there's a, there's a force that's making himself known within creation. Shehim b'teva, oi b'shini ha-teva, k'meimakas mitzrayim, shalidei shidud ha-maroches. But that's all with regard to things that appear in nature, to make a shift in nature, within the lived experience of reality, a shift. But he says that things that are just beyond nature entirely, the Torah, which like Chazal say, believe that there's wisdom by the nations. But what Torah is, Again, am segula, unexplainable, impossible to capture in words. That's something that's unique to, to our experience. And here he says this lashon: "Avul Yisrael am segulasai." But am Yisrael that are like we mentioned the am segula, not just the treasured nation, but the nation that's rooted in this, in this place of silence in this place of paradox, in this place of shtoik, like a Kodesh Baruch who tells Moshe Rabbeinu when he comes to Hashem and he can't understand why Rabbi Akiva is suffering so terribly, Hashem tells him, silent, be silent. And then he tells him, kach alub Now on a literal level, what does that mean? So it arose in the divine mind, meaning Hashem is telling him, I have a plan, be silent with your questions. There are answers that are beyond anything that you can grasp. That even if they were to be revealed and explained, you would still experience them as questions because they're just beyond your mind. 
so it arose in the divine mind. Hashem says, this is, I got it. But the tzaddikim say it means something else. Shtoik. If we can connect ourselves to the realm of silence, which Kabbalistically is the realm of Keser, it's the realm of the crown. Silence is what circles Chachma. Chachma is in the head. The crown is the highest level that there is, spiritually speaking, is the Siag Chachma. It sits beyond the mind. It's the crown. It sits on the head. That's called Shtika. That's the realm of silence. Shtoik. Kach, meaning employing and implementing the secret of silence, kach alu b'machshava. This is how you get to a higher place that's beyond thinking, very deep. And that's the place where Am Yisrael are rooted. Yisrael alu b'machshava tchila. That's where, that's where Am Yisrael are rooted. So entering the silence of the paradox, of the Am Segula, of just accepting it, you're loved, without needing an explanation. Well, what did I do to be loved? Stop it. Stop trying to figure it out. Be still. Accept it. Accept it. You're infinitely lovable. Accept it. You're already okay on a Shabbos level. Six days of the week, we all have things to work on. On Shabbos, you're already okay. Without you needing to conceptualize it. Silence. Feel. We can access things that are well beyond nature, meaning our this-worldly experience of understanding things or not understanding things. And he says it's for this reason that the nations of the world are so distant from Shabbos. They're so distant from it. Why? Because the nations of the world, like we said, can function in the realm of understanding things conceptually. By and large, obviously there are exceptions, but by and large, the way that society functions, politics, uh, political philosophy, political science, it's all related to this world. This is how humans act. This is, this, these are, you know, this is the nature of, of, of the economy. This is the nature of natural disasters and responses to them. But it's all within this place we call Olamazeh. But the Jew is supposed to be rooted well beyond this realm. That, sh- that shouldn't be our focus. I am not my body, I wear my body. I wear my body like the body wears a coat. I wear it. The soul wears the body, which is why babies, infants, when they're born, are so, are so cumbersome. Toddlers starting to walk, they, they can't quite get the, get the grip of it right away. They're falling all the time, they're so awkward with their bodies. Because you would be too if you tried to put on an astronaut suit. It's incredibly, incredibly heavy. Can't remember exactly, but it's very, very heavy. It's very big. It's it's clunky. It's cumbersome. And astronauts need to train until they can figure out how to move in it. The soul of a baby is so used to being a soul from where it comes from that when it puts on this suit that you and I call a body, it, it takes time to figure it out. So now we, we figured it out. It, it's, it's a suit, this, this thing. It's a suit. This is not me. The world is also a suit, meaning nature also has a body. So we call it nature. But there's a soul to nature. The soul of nature we call Hashem. 
The world is alive in the same way that I'm alive. And in the same way that I need to start to merge with the identification of my essence being spiritual, I need to start to relate to the world as a fundamentally spiritual place. And that's the Bechina of Shabbos. That's what we spoke about last week. The rectified world, the completed world, the taste of the world to come when the light of the moon will burst with the light of the sun, which means the physical world will be seen not as preventing Hashem's presence from manifesting, but being the way that Hashem's presence manifests to those of us that are perceptive of it and conscious of it. So now, he says, the nations of the world are very far from this. But he says, Am Yisrael are married to Shabbos. Do you know why? Because Shabbos hu l'ma Because on Shabbos, all of us are able to come into contact with that realm that's l'ma That's beyond, 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 beyond nature. There's a revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the level of rachaik. There's a level of awe on Shabbos. Because like we said last week, it's true. We experience this world illuminated with the light of the great beyond, saturated with that light from a place of it being this world permeated with godliness. And we're able to see the world differently on Shabbos. We don't go to the office. It's family. It's connection. It's awareness that even the work that I do during the week is not me. It's Emunah. Shabbos. But it's still this world. It's still this world. But there's another aspect of Shabbos too. And that aspect of Shabbos brings us into stark contact and awareness of what it is that's being manifest in this world. It's not just a matter of saying, wow, okay, you know, this world is, is, is Hashem is so close. That's the aspect of the Simcha of Shabbos. That's Reb Chanina, running out to greet Shabbos. Shabbos, Hashem is so close. But the closer that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gets, the more that we come into perspective of what it is this thing called Hashem that is so close. And the more that we contemplate that, the more we come into awareness of the aspect of Hashem that is rachik, that is rachik. And over there, it's, it's awesome. Because every Shabbos brings the world closer to that great Shabbos to come. And it reminds us that, again, every week that we experience, it's another, it's another chapter in the story that you and I are not writing, but that is being written through us, that each of us is another letter in that Torah scroll, and that all of nature is written with the letters of the Torah. Like we mentioned in previous shiurim in the series. In Shabbos, there's also the aspect of Rachik of Hashem's infinite magnitude that is becoming revealed in this world. Take a look. We'll go through the last sources very quickly, the last few minutes. Bereshes bara elikimas Hashemayimas It's The Pasuk tells us, in the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth. Bereshes, in the beginning. Now, This aspect of the beginning is as distant as anything is that we're aware of from Shamayim and Aretz because that place of the beginning 
is the context where heaven and earth are created. Okay, what's heaven and earth? Heaven and earth, even from our standpoint, is the spiritual realm and the physical realm, or it's literally the firmament, the sky above, the earth below. Those are things that we're aware of. But Bereshus, the space where that happens and what's beyond that space, that's what we're talking about. That's, that's, inf that's infinity, where creation is not possible because creation is, by definition, limited. And Hashem is infinite. Wow. Beratius, that place of Beratius. It's unbelievable. The beginning, the beginning. It says the Pasig and Talim we're familiar with, Beratius Chachma. The beginning of Chachma, of true contemplation, is Yiras Hashem. Where do we start? We start with awe. We start with understanding that Hashem is infinite. That's the beginning of any kind of wisdom, to know how limited our wisdom is. Meaning, what the Pasuk is telling us is that the definition of human intellect, Reish's Chachma, is to first understand that our Chachma is limited. Yiras Hashem. That's the beginning. Otherwise, there's, there's no limits to the Chachma, and I don't know what the content of it if I don't know what the context of my own mind is. Reish is Chachma, the first thing you need to know, there's a realm beyond your mind. Okay, now I know where my mind operates, right? Reish is Chachma is first, Yiras Hashem. This Reish is the Reish of Bereshis. This Reish is the Reish of that perfected world that already happened, it's already there. On the level beyond time, that's Yudke Vavke, Hayahovaviyya, the beginning, middle, and end of the story where everything is already, the story is already told, it exists, the book's been published, you and I are living it in real time. Yiras Hashem, Yudke Vavke, Hayahovaviyya. But the Pasuk says in Kohelas, guess what? Soiftavar Hakol Nishma, that at the end of the process, which we call Malchus, which we call Shabbos, which we call Olam Haba, that brings us right back to Yira again. Because on Shabbos again, that realm of the Reishis is manifest in the Achris. Ani Rishon, Ani Achrin. Soif Maset, the very end of Soif Davar, which we say in L'chadoidi, Bimach Shavat It's rooted in the earliest, earliest, earliest stages of our conception of Hashem's infinity, which we can't even understand. We just put a word to it, but it means nothing to us. Infinity. Hashem is awesome. Hashem is awesome. I'm fearful. I'm not afraid of Hashem. Hashem is awesome. And that awe is paralyzing. Koivid Roish of the Rambam, Rabbi Yanai. It's awesome. Soif Davar, Reishis. It's the same thing. Yiras Hashem. Yeselikim Yira. Says the Tikkune Zoyar. Bereishis, the words Bereishis. The word Bereishis is the letters. Yare Shabbos. Same letters. Beratius. Yare Shabbos. The fear that we ought to feel, the awe that we ought to feel when? On Shabbos. Why would we be feeling awe on Shabbos? The whole shear that I just gave now for an hour is all in this Tukunizar. Beratius, Yare Shabbos. That's it. That's, that's the whole shear. Yare Shabbos. That there's a certain fear that we feel. There's a certain awe that we feel on Shabbos. Why? Because Beratius. Because Bereshis is Reishis Chachmir Hashem. And it's also Soif Davar Hakol Nishma Eselikim Yira, which is, of course, Shabbos. Soif Maseh B'machshavah It's the end that we need to rejoice in. But it's reflecting a beginning that's beyond all beginnings. And that's the Bechin of Koivid Roish of Rabbi Yanai.
you, you got it. We're just going two, two, minutes, two minutes longer. Forgive me, Chavra. I would just a, a little bit, a little bit longer just to bring it home. I'm going to go through it quickly. Another five minutes. One of the Elecha projects is a podcast series called um, Once Upon a Soul. You may have seen it. Once Upon a Soul, where we're going through stories that are based on the teachings or inspired by the teachings of a tzaddik called of Asher Freund. There's a big Makubo in Eretz Yisrael, and in the first episode, we talk a little bit about him. Amazing, amazing story. So this is one of the stories. There's the sixth story, and it says like this. There's a story of, the, of a moon that began to shine its light on the earth. It's a very, very deep story. And it began to shine on the mountains and the valleys and the forests. It began to think to itself, this moon, isn't it wonderful that the earth is dark? Isn't it wonderful that the earth is dark? Meaning to say, if the world wasn't there, if it wasn't dark, my light would never be able to manifest in such a wonderful way. Isn't it a great thing that the earth is dark? I wouldn't be able to do anything. Isn't it great? I have light. The earth is dark. I shine to the earth. Light it up. Fantastic. This is what the moon thought. And it kept on saying this. Isn't it wonderful that the earth is dark? It's a blessing to me. But all of a sudden, one day, he says, the moon heard something else. It began to hear that the sun was saying, isn't it wonderful that the moon is dark? Isn't it wonderful that the moon is dark? Right? The same kind of thing. You understand? Because the moon doesn't have light. It thinks it has light. It gets its light from the sun. And the moon heard this. Listen to how he ends the story in such a, in such a classic, beautiful way. And it was terrified to hear what was coming next. Because you understand what was coming next was another voice saying, and that the moon couldn't handle. With this will end, even though it's a chaval, because there's more sources, but I, I can't, can't keep here forever. Pachad is to recognize our place. Yira is to recognize our place. To recognize that a great story that's already been written as being told through us each moment of our lives, through every choice and every misstep, through every yearning and every failure to meet whatever goal we're striving toward. And every conversation and every frustration, everything, everything, life, 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 it's playing out in real time, it's a story. And it's a story that's far greater than any one of us particularly, but it's a story that each one of us plays an absolutely unique and necessary role in. And Shabbos puts us in our place, both in the sense of giving us a taste of what that story looks like in the epilogue, when it's all over, a me'ein o'elam haba, which inspires within our heart the joy of Reb Chanina, going out to the field, 
But in that moment, it also gives us that feeling that there's something bigger happening and that life is more than what meets the eye. And that's the Levana hearing, whoa, I don't really have any light. There's something shining into me. That's Shabbos. The deepest depth is, and we don't have time to go through the sources inside, but very quickly, the deepest depth is these two things are absolutely one. The awe and the love. The love and the awe. The joy and the fear. The fear and the joy, like we say, we have to merge them together. They merge at once because there's nothing more joyous of knowing your place. There's nothing more joyous than being humbled, than realizing I don't have to control my life. It's an illusion. I give it to Hashem. And there's nothing more awe-inspiring than rejoicing in the epilogue of history. These two things are one. Ivdu as Hashem b'simcha. You'll take a look, take the sheets if you can. At the Taldas Yaakov Yosef, so beautiful, I don't have time for it. Ivdu as Hashem b'simcha, serve God with joy. How does the Pasuk end? V'gilu b'ra'ada. And rejoice with trembling. And we can do these two things at once. We can be close to Hashem and we can understand our distance from Him. We can understand Hashem's infinite distance and at the same time we can rejoice in His infinite closeness. And this is Kabbalah Shabbos, a little bit of a taste. To go into Kabbalah Shabbos being aware of what's gifted to us, what, what we should be feeling, how to experience Kabbalah Shabbos, prepare yourself beforehand, come a little bit early to shul, sit for five minutes, without a safer, without, without, any, without saying shir shir, anything like that. It's wonderful if you have time to shir shir shir. To sit and to think, to feel, to open up. Yiddishkeit primarily takes place in here. But if we don't know the features of the gift, there's no way that we're going to be able to appreciate what it is, and there's no way we're going to be able to turn it on, and there's no way we're going to be able to allow it like a car to take us from one place to the next with Ava and Yira, with two wings of love and awe, of closeness to Hashem, with Hashem being a living, breathing reality that's more real than anything else. She Shibizachah to live Shabbos with feeling and with broad-mindedness and with depth, tremendous depth, tremendous depth, Unbelievable depth, and Bez Hashem should have a beautiful Shabbos.
don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. 